turning in your Bibles tonight to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, and we want to read at verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Let's stop reading there and, and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you would uh, open our eyes tonight and help us to see the, the message that is in these verses. It's a very precious message. It's a message that is, is very critical because it teaches us that we are not saved by the works of the law. We're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessed thought that is. We pray that you would uh, bless our time of study as we look into your word now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, we, as we continue with our studies in this third chapter of Galatians, we want to think about this 17th verse. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was, we talked about how here in verse 6 of chapter 3, Paul mentions Abraham for the first time. And... We talked about how brilliant this was on the part of the Spirit of God. Because Abraham is the example that these legalizers and these false brethren thought that they could use to prove their point, to prove their false doctrine. We noted that Abraham's name is mentioned nine times in the book of Galatians. And eight of those times are here in chapter 3. Verse 17 is one of the times when Abraham is being talked about, and we're going to see this again as we continue going through this book. But verse 17 is one of the times when Abraham is being talked about without the direct mention of his name. But his name carries over from verse 16. And there's an order in this 17th verse that the Spirit of God makes concerning Abraham that is very critical. Verse 17, 17 brings in a very simple but a very powerful argument, and that is timing. Timing. Remember the issue here. Is salvation by the works of the law, or is it by faith? 
Which came first? The promise or the law? Faith or the law? The answer is that the promise came first. And the promise is the seed. The promise is a person. And that person is Christ. And the promise to Abraham was that in thy seed, we talked about those verses Sunday night, in thy seed, which is Christ, shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And it's like that because the seed, Christ, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. He would have his heel bruised on the cross of Calvary. The seed, Christ, would fall into the ground and die as we read in John chapter 12. The seed, Christ, would provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. I'd like for us to look at that passage back in the book of Genesis because we need to be in the book of Genesis for some other things that we want to look at. So look, if you will, at at Genesis chapter 22. It's a chapter that we have looked at many times. It's been looked at many times over the years in this church because it's a very important and precious chapter here in the Word of God. In it, Abraham and Isaac are walking up the hill of Mount Moriah. And it foreshadows the time when God the Father and His Son would walk up the hill of Mount Calvary. The same place, by the way. When God would make His soul, the soul of His only begotten Son, the sacrifice, the offering for our sin. And as Abraham and Isaac are walking up the hill, Isaac asks his father a question in verse 7. My father, and he said, here am I, my son, And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham answers Isaac in verse 8. And his words are some of the most prophetic and specific in all of the Old Testament. We have the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, which we already mentioned. The seed of the woman would come. And he would bruise the head of the serpent as his heel was bruised by the serpent. We have the prophecy of Genesis 3.21 where the Lord slew the lamb to clothe Adam and Eve. But the significant thing about this prophecy in Genesis 22 and verse 8, this prophecy identifies the lamb. Look at verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb 
for a burnt offering. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Here, God, through the prophet Abraham, identifies himself as the lamb. These words here in Genesis 22 and verse 8, in many ways, are the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. I've read those words, I guess, hundreds of times, maybe. But I noticed something this time that I'd never noticed before. The word loved and the word gave in John 3.16 are past tense. The Lord Jesus spoke those words to Nicodemus in what we would say real time. They were sitting or standing face to face when the Lord gave Nicodemus the words of John 3.16. So why did he use the past tense? It's because the Lord Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Abraham speaks those words in time to his son. And he's looking forward to the time when God is going to commend his love toward us by giving his only begotten son. Just as Abraham in type is doing here. That whosoever... Believeth in him. Whosoever believeth in him. I want you to make note of those words. Believeth in him. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now look back a few pages to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And notice something that we read about Abraham. In chapter 15 and verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord. And he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord just... Like John 3.16 says. Abraham believed that God was going to give his only begotten son. He believed that God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Abraham believed in the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness. Just as he does when men and women believe the message of the gospel today. The only difference is that Abraham and these Old Testament saints were looking forward to the cross in faith. We look back in faith to the same place. To the cross, to the place where the Lord Jesus Christ died for sinners. Now, when did this happen? 
When did this happen in Abraham's life? When did he believe in the Lord? Well, I believe that Stephen tells us when Abraham believed in the Lord. In Acts chapter 7, we have Stephen's sermon that he preached to the council that was trying him. And he says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 2, The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. The God of glory appeared unto Abraham. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That grace appeared to Abram in Mesopotamia, in Ur of the Chaldees. And the question is, how did it appear? Who was preaching the gospel there? We know there was a preacher. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in the verses that follow that, Paul goes on to ask, How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And we've talked before about who the preacher in Ur of the Chaldees may have been. And that's Shem. Noah's son. Shem was born in the year 1558 from creation. I started reading, well, I'm not going to necessarily say reading, but looking at uh, Usher's book, The Annals of the World. If you have a Bible, if you have a Schofield Bible, the dates that you have on the pages there are from Usher's chronology, uh, his annals of the history of the world. And um, it's a very fascinating book to, to look at and to look at the dates and the timing. God is a God of time. And when he gives us time in the Bible, it's very important. Shem was born in the year 1558. We can learn that. We've talked about how we knew that from the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5. And he lived for 600 years, which means he died in the year 2158 from creation. Abraham was born in the year 2008. Shem was alive for 150 years of Abraham's life. And I believe that it's through the preaching of this man, Shem, a man who saw the judgment of God in the flood, a man who knew Methuselah. I believe it was through the preaching of Shem, that the God of glory appeared unto Abraham. 
How the grace of God that bringeth salvation appeared to Abraham. I believe this is when Abraham believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. That's Acts chapter 7 and verse 2. That's salvation. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. And then in Acts 7 and verse 3, after Abraham was saved, the Lord spoke to Abraham. And he said to him, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and come into the land which I will show thee. Now, Acts chapter 7 and verse 3 is not a call to salvation. It's a call to service. God never calls a man to service before that man has been saved. God never calls a man or a woman or a young person to serve him before that person has humbled their heart and come to God as a sinner lost without hope and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. God will never reverse that order. It's salvation, then service. Man will confuse this order. Satan will do all he can to confuse it in the minds and hearts of people. Our own deceitful hearts will try to convince us that service is salvation. But it's not. God will never call you to do any service until you're saved. And so if God is calling Abraham to leave Mesopotamia in Ur of the Chaldees, if He's calling him to leave his kindred and to go to a place that God was going to show him, then it's in Ur of the Chaldees where Abraham was saved. Now we know what happened. God called Abraham to get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred. But that isn't exactly what happened. Look back at Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. And verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. So Terah and Lot go with Abram and Sarah. God didn't call them. He called Abram alone. And so they come to this place called Haran and they dwelt there. We don't know how long. But they dwelt there till Terah dies. And then Abram leaves there. Just as a side note, the ties of nature are very strong in our lives, aren't they? The ties of family can be very strong to the point that we put those ties above doing the will of God. 
It's when Terah is dead, when that tie of family is broken, when that tie of nature is broken. Now, now Abram and Sarah go on. They still got Lot with them. But now they're going to go to the place that God told Abram he wanted him to go. This gets us back to what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 and verse 2. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. It's very important that Stephen tells us that. It's why Genesis 12, 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, past tense, when had he said it? He had said it when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, before he ever came and dwelt in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Abram hadn't done that. He'd been dwelling in Haran. And he dwelt there until his father died. And we learn in verse 4, and notice how the Spirit of God reiterates that the call of Abram had occurred in Mesopotamia and Ur of the Chaldees. So Abram departed, verse 4, as the Lord had spoken unto him. The Lord wants us to know that. He has Stephen tell us. And he has, the Spirit of God has Moses to tell us twice here. In verse 1 and verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And we learn in this fourth verse that Abram was seventy. And five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now how long was Abram in Haran? We don't know. I've tried every way that I know how to figure that out. But I can't. I don't think the Lord wants us to know that for whatever reasons that are known to Him. So... We don't know how long it was from the time that Abram trusted the Lord, believed in the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness until he leaves Haran. We don't know how long he had been saved. But we know he was saved before he left Ur of the Chaldees. Now, you might be thinking, why are we going into this detail? Well, remember what Paul said in Galatians 3.17. He says that the law was 430 years after the promise. After the promise. And the promise has um, two aspects, if you will. There's the promise of the coming seed, which is Christ. The Lord told Abraham, In thee, verse 3, shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's true through the seed of Abraham that was going to come, which is Christ. 
So there's the promise of the coming seed. There's the promise that God will provide himself a lamb that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Abraham received that promise in Ur of the Chaldees. And here in Genesis chapter 12, after the death of his father, after he leaves Haran, after he comes into the land of Canaan, God repeats uh, what I, I would call the other aspect of the promise. Look at verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Uh, look at verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. This is when, according to some Bible chronologists, this is when the clock starts uh, on this 430 years. It's the year Abraham was born, the year 2008 from creation. He's 75 years old, so it's the year uh, 2083 when the Lord repeats his promise to Abraham. And Abraham has already been saved for a number of years. And the law is not going to be given for another 430 years. So how could the law have saved Abraham? How could the law that comes 430 years after Genesis chapter 12 and perhaps as many as 475 years after God saved Abraham, how could the law disannul that it should make the promise of God that Abraham believed? Remember that the promise of God For God so loved the world that He gave. He's the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So how is the law 430 years later going to disannul the promise of God that began in eternity past? The promise that God will provide himself a lamb. How could the law make that promise of none effect? It couldn't. And the point that Paul is making in giving this time period in Galatians 3.17, remember we're thinking about timing, is that Abraham's faith in Christ preceded the law. Here are, these, here are these Judaizers that are coming down to uh, the churches of Galatia and they're telling them, listen, you got to keep the law. And who's our example of that? Well, we have Abraham as our father. And here's Paul demonstrating in the very timing of Abraham's salvation and the timing of the giving of the law that his faith in Christ preceded the law by at least 430 years. So how could the law have saved him? And while we're here in Genesis, we need to remember what these Judaizers, what these 
men who were coming into these churches in Galatia were teaching. They were teaching two things. They were keeping, teaching that it was necessary to keep the law of Moses. That's one. And the other thing is that it was necessary to be circumcised. So Paul has dealt with keeping the law in Abraham's life. Faith in Christ preceded the law. And the same is true of circumcision. Here in Genesis chapter 12, we know that Abram is 75 years old. He's a saved man. He's been saved for a number of years. Look over at Genesis chapter 17, if you will. Look at Genesis chapter 17. And look at verse 9. Genesis 17 and verse 9. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Now look at verse 24. And Abram was ninety years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. So in Genesis chapter 12, Abram, Abraham, seventy-five years old. He's been saved for some unknown number of years. So let's just stick with what we know. He's 75 years old in chapter 12. And he's not circumcised until chapter 17. He's not circumcised until he's 99 years old. How could circumcision have saved him? How could that have saved him? It couldn't. Faith in Christ preceded circumcision. I just marvel at, at Paul. I just marvel at his, his defense of the gospel. Faith in Christ preceded the law. Faith in Christ preceded circumcision. Turn over to Romans chapter 4 for just a minute. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. We just read that back in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth 
the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. How does God impute righteousness without works? Faith. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now look at verse 10. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? The answer, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. We just look back there at Genesis chapter 12. Abram's 75 years old. We know he's saved then. We know he got saved before that. But we don't know how long. But we're going to grab a hold of that 75 years of age. And he's not circumcised until he was 99 years old. This is what Paul is going back to. It's exactly what he's going back to. Was he in circumcision or was he not in circumcision? Verse 11, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith. When did he have that faith? Which he had yet being uncircumcised. Faith preceded circumcision by at least 24 years. Faith preceded the law by at least 439, rather 430 years. Paul is destroying the arguments of these people, these Judaizers, these legalizers. You cannot... Be saved by works. Look back at Genesis, uh, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. This is one of our red letter verses in the book of Galatians. We'll come back to it. Time and again. Galatians 2 and verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. And may I say, not by circumcision. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. How much plainer can it be? Why couldn't the Galatians get it? Why can't people today get it? Why can't you get it? Because if you're lost tonight, you're rejecting the message of the gospel of grace. You're rejecting the faith of Christ and you're substituting and for that your own works. You're depending on your own works to save you. And it cannot be done. And if you continue to cling to that, you'll be lost for all eternity. 
And in the face of that is the simplicity of the gospel. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. The Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that when we go through the pages of this book, wherever we are, if we're in Genesis, if we're in Galatians, if wherever we are in this book, we're always seeing the cross, the message of the cross, the message that the Lord Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world in the mind of God. It was already an accomplished fact. We pray that you would just speak to any here who may not know you as their Savior to see the marvelous plan of God to redeem their souls. And Father, we pray that if we know you, that we would proclaim that message. What a glorious message it is. And we thank you for the opportunities that we have to come to this place and think about it and study it and consider it together. And we thank you that because the Lord Jesus has paid the price of our sins, that our faith can find a resting place. That we can trust the ever-living one, his wounds for us shall plead. We thank you for our Savior tonight. We pray these things in his name. Amen.